When we put our bodies through physical stress, something like lifting weights or running hills, it has a tendency to come back stronger. We call this getting in shape. Those weights that used to feel so heavy are now light. Our bodies have an ability to adapt to that stress and get stronger. Today's guest has mastered the physical stress. It's going to be uh, a run starting March 24th. And he's getting stronger every day. plan right now is run 50 miles a day for 64 days straight. But what about a different kind of challenge? Can our bodies adapt to that stress in the same way? Since becoming you know, legally blind and, and no longer hiding that fact. I'm Ben Shank. You're listening to Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister is supported by Mountain House. They make tasty home-cooked meals perfect for your outdoors adventures. One of the many benefits of Mountain House meals is that they are so incredibly easy to make. In fact, I'm actually making one right now as I speak to you. I'm pouring the hot water into the pouch, and then I'm just going to seal it up for 10 minutes, and then it's ready to go. I'd also recommend stuffing that pouch on the inside of your jacket to keep you warm while you wait, but that's not part of the recipe. For 20% off, and a 20% that is exclusive to Mountain Meister listeners, go to mountainhouse.com slash meister, and when you hear me next, I'll be enjoying this homestyle chicken noodle casserole. Today, our guest, Jason Romero, is a legally blind ultra runner who is attempting to run across the entire country. He will leave on March 24th, and he plans to run approximately 50 miles a day from LA to New York City. Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Well, first off, let's knock off a few basic questions, uh, and then later in this interview, we're going to get into a really thought-provoking discussion. So age 14, you're diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa. What exactly is it? Sure. It's a RP is the acronym it goes by. It's a degenerative eye condition. And what happens is we all have a retina in the back of our eye, and that has photoreceptors, and that's what the image or light comes through, um, and that attaches to an optic nerve. What happens with retinitis pigmentosa is the retina basically dies or loses functioning from the outside in. So, as I mentioned, it's a degenerative eye condition, so you lose your sight over time. And the way that it progresses is you lose peripheral vision. Uh, and it, at the beginning, you just have some blind spots, but after a while, you end up with tunnel vision. And, uh, you know, till eventually it looks like you're looking through a, a straw hole, then a pin needle, then you wouldn't have any light perception when the retina totally is gone. And while you do have eyesight, the other symptoms are night blindness. Um, sometimes there's issues with visual acuity. So that's RP. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe to a fully sighted person what your vision impairment is right now? Sure. So right now I have uh, tunnel vision. So if you held up, say, like um, the insides of the toilet paper rolls, those little cardboard yeah, things, right. two of those right in front of your eyes, that's what I see. So I only see directly what's in front of me. So if I'm looking at somebody's face, I would just see like their eyes and probably not their mouth or their ears. And if somebody puts a hand out, obviously I don't see that. So I do a lot of scanning left, right, up, down to try to see. At night, and that's during the daytime when it's a lighted environment. During the nighttime, I'm more like a traditional, what people see like a, a blind person with, with little to no light perception. Um, I use a headlamp at that point in time. Um, during the daytime, we, we inside that tunnel, my 
I, my visual acuity is like 2200 to 2400, depending on the day, how rested I am, how fatigued my eyes are. And what that means is, say what a person sees uh, at the length of a football field, I would have to stand 20 feet away from that object to see the exact same size image as what a person with 20-20 vision has. And can that be, so the tunnel vision part that's blurry, can that be uh, fixed with some sort of eyewear? Yeah, it's not, my lenses are perfectly fine, so I don't have astigmatism, uh-huh. so that's that really doesn't correct it. Um, in my eyes, I always, I think that I have fairly sharp eyesight, but it's the way that I've seen my whole life. So right. when I look at a person's face, when I'm within three feet of you, I can actually make out your eyes and different stuff like that. But if you move to five feet, then what I do is I can tell your face is there, but I can't tell where your eyes are looking at. And then go a little further away, and then all that I'll be able to recognize is like your body shape. Gotcha. Now, describe to me your other senses. So, uh, you know, I've read all these different things about uh, blind people not having uh, additional, you know, higher sensations. I actually do. And um, my sense of smell and my sense of hearing are like, phenomenal and they've always been that way throughout my entire life i mean i have uh, my my great stories are when i was in college you know i'd be at a bar or something like that and i'd night blind with my buddies and i could always tell who the girls were based upon the perfume that they wore wow. and that was always my leg up you know my buddies were always like that's not fair i was like oh you know superhero <laughs> what do you want and and my hearing is phenomenal like um it's almost like a like a sonar like a nighttime or echo location yeah. i can t- I can tell when I'm getting close to like a tree or an environment or something like that. And maybe it's because I just don't rely on my eyes so much and I'm relying more on my hearing. So I'm more attuned to that. But just like this morning, I was out running and I had two guides with me and one had a dog and I could tell when the person was moving different areas on the trail or behind us or had stopped or wasn't with us because I heard and the other guy was like how did you know that person moved that way i was like i heard them mm-hmm. I, you know they're got that noise was gone all of a sudden so for me it you know my no, my sense of smell and my hearing has been better but my other ones you know uh, have not gotten better my sense of humor is not better because i have poor eyesight too <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's can we do a quick uh, echo location demo together like how do you do you do the clicking that- uh, i you know what i don't do that what i do is um I know how my foot strikes and uh-huh. what that sounds like. Um, I may use, like uh, when I walk, I may use a scraping of my heel just to create some type of additional noise if I'm walking in an unknown environment. Um, I, I, I don't do any additional clicking or snapping or anything like that. Um, what I do is I just try to create an extremely silent environment. Then I'll just have that one additional noise right. but you know you just gave me an idea with the clicking and stuff so i may i may try that out uh, we had uh, uh trevor thomas he's a blind hiker yeah and he he talked about um using the clicking on the trail yeah yeah i know trevor what a guy mm, what a guy yeah you too um i i think i read that the doctors predicted you would be completely blind by age 30 uh you're 44 now why has the progression been slower uh, nobody, nobody knows. Um, what I, I attributed to the fact that, uh, I am a heavy exerciser and athletic and frankly, I've kept good oxygenation to my retina. Um, my brother has the exact same thing that I have and his eyesight deteriorated at a faster rate. You know, wow. we're from the same parents, uh, brought up in the same environment. Um, 
And all the research of scientists, they don't know why it degenerates quicker in some people or doesn't in other people. Um, but for me, you know, that's been something that I've held on to, and you know, I just keep that as part of my persona. Uh, I don't continue to exercise because of that, but I always keep that in the back of my head and say, you know, uh, you know, a healthy body uh, keeps everything good, including your mind. Mm-hmm. An added benefit. What, how does a slow deterioration of vision uh, compare to losing your vision all at once? Yeah. So I have some buddies who are, you know, lights out blind who have basically lost their eyesight over time. And then I have other friends who have been blind with no light perception their entire life. And the advice that I get from these folks is that, you know, going blind is a lot harder than just finally landing there and being blind. For people who have no light perception, you know, they're just kind of like, I've never seen, so I really don't know what I'm missing or it's not even like I'm missing anything because that's what I see. Um, For me, it really hasn't been that impactful for me until probably the last five years. So, you know, from being 14 to probably about 40, it just slowly deteriorated. I really didn't know, did not notice that the tunnel was occurring. And then what happened, and I, I drove uh, during the daylight only, not during nighttime. But then there got to be a point in time where I realized that I had this tunnel. And, you know, I mean, if you don't have peripheral vision, you're operating a vehicle or you're doing different things. You know, there's just certain things where you need to make a decision whether they're safe or not, because it's not about your own independence. It's about being a responsible member of the community. Right. And I have children and you know, doing the right. It's just doing the right thing. And uh, at that point in time, you know, it really caught up to me. And uh, I made you know, some pretty dramatic decisions that really changed my life, which was like stopping driving, um, coming out of the closet as a blind person. You know, for employment purposes and different things like that. I had previously faked my way around as being wow. you know, a person that doesn't have the greatest sight in the world. And those had huge emotional impacts with me, landed me in a very deep depression, you know, stuck in my bed for three weeks. So, you know, very, very uh, difficult and, you know, eventually climbed out of that. But that process, what, what people who go blind tell me is, you know, we're always on the verge of depression or on the precipice, if you will, sometimes dipping into it, sometimes dipping out of it. But it's a difficult thing psychologically to handle that that type of sense, you know, a sense that we in society re, you know, rely on so much and take for granted so much that it's, it's going. Um, so, you know, I hope that answers the question, but I, I think, it, I, I think the going blind part, you know, has you know, a variety of different factors, but it also increases your ability to, you know, adapt and make changes. So, a great answer to the question, first of all. Um, what you're describing is, is kind of like there's a term, hedonic adaptation, uh, which is like how we adapt to whatever, how our happiness adapts to whatever environment we're put in. So there's a famous experiment where they um, measure the happiness levels of folks who just before they won the lottery ticket and after they won a lottery ticket, mm-hmm. um, and then also paraplegics. Um, and obviously when the event first happens, the lottery ticket winners get extraordinarily happy and the paraplegics uh, depressed. But over time, they adapt to whatever uh, their the, to their previous levels of happiness um, because they get used to whatever lifestyle they are now living. For you, like you said, it's harder going blind than just becoming blind all at once because you can never quite adapt to whatever that level of vision is because you're slowly losing each time. That's correct. It seems and, very difficult. 
it's it's a constant state of adaptation. You know, the good training, and uh, you know, God probably did this to me, but I used to work for General Electric, and there, the mantra always was, you know, the only thing you can ever count on at GE is change. So, <laughs> either you are a very adaptable person and able to be successful in that type of environment, or you didn't work for the company that long. That's a good fit. Another yeah. uh, example is uh, it it hurts more. Um, if you were to lose $1,000, it hurts more to lose $10 100 times than to lose that $1,000 all at once. I think that's a great analogy in that you know you probably hit the nail on the head there for what I feel as I go through this process. Well, you do have quite the running resume. Uh, Leadville 100 multiple times, Badwater 135, which is just about the most miserable thing anybody could ever do in my opinion I was, I was actually i was driving through death valley right before Badwater and saw some of the runners going through there i think it was i mean it was definitely above 100 degrees where they were running um anyway most recent project is the you're running across america um tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing here sure uh so it's called uh vision run usa and there's a website visionrunusa.com uh the the genesis of this really comes from uh, my my faith, if you will. I feel like I'm being called to do it. It's not like some uh, running bucket list or something like that. Uh, I I had heard in the past of people actually doing it. I thought and still think that they're crazy, and I guess I think that I'm crazy, <laughs> guilt by association. <laughs> um, but I was volunteering at a homeless shelter that I. Uh, I'm on the board at Christ Body Ministries, and I was helping people get into laundry and um, you know take their showers, do that type of thing. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming uh, just sense of knowing that I was going to run across America. And I'd never felt that before. I'd never had that level of confidence. And I don't know where this you know run across America had come from, but it's like just I knew. And in that moment, I'd never been so sure. But in that same moment, I said, I got to tell somebody else because if I don't I'll try to stuff it you know to the way far reaches of my mind because I don't want to do it (laughs) but I feel like I'm supposed to do it so I I texted my mom and I said I'm gonna run across America and within like five seconds she texted back and said I'm in so that that was literally literally you know the beginning that was about a year and a half ago Um, and since then there's been a lot of different things and and the reason, you know, that I believe I'm, I'm being called to do it is one, because finally I've achieved a state of legal blindness and I've gone through a lot of things in my life. And the reason for it, it, the run is to raise awareness for the blind and visually impaired and a lot of those great organizations that are doing a lot of good for it. And, you know, some of those issues that I've dipped my toe into are, you know, there's a significant unemployment rate for blind people, 70 percent. Um and an obesity rate of 66%, two times the rate of depression that's in the general population. Just these staggering statistics that, you know, you can't tell me that they're supposed to be that way. And as I've gotten into this world as well, I found a lot of great organizations that are really working hard to make a difference. Um, Like, you know, Lighthouse, National Federation for the Blind, Achilles, there's Foundation Fighting Blindness. And my charity partner for this run is U.S. Association of Blind Athletes. And they use uh, sports and recreation to help people to basically work through those difficult changes, build self-esteem, and you know, continue to be positive uh, role models and good employees and good community citizens. Um, so this project right now, it's going to be uh, a run starting March 24th, and I will start 
uh, at Santa Monica Pier, where Forrest Gump <laughs> started from the <laughs> West Coast. <laughs> and uh, we'll traverse actually all the way to Boston. And there's an internal section of there that is a potential world record run. If I'm feeling good, I might go for it. And that's from the uh, steps of City Hall in L.A. to the steps of City Hall in New York. Um, so the total distance will be, uh, you know, plus or minus a couple hundred miles of 3,200 miles. And uh, the plan right now is run 50 miles a day for 64 days straight. And uh, if I'm feeling good, it'll be less. If I run into trouble, it'll be more. Well, I did not know that you were going all the way to Boston, which means that you'll have to stop by the Mountain Meister studio to tell us how it all went. Beautiful. Well, I can't wait. We're going to do the, we'll do the face-to-face for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, though, because a lot of times people will say, oh, I should drop by the studio, and the studio is actually in my bedroom. So, Sweet. We, but we could, we could move the studio for a day for our interview. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Mountain Meister is supported by Mountain House. When you heard from me last, I had prepared that chicken noodle casserole, and now I get to eat it. There's actually not that much left because it's taken me so many tries to get this advertisement right that I've just eaten the entire thing. (laughs) I'm being 100% honest. This tastes amazing. There's texture. There's big chunks of chicken and vegetables. uh, The flavor is very balanced. There's perfect seasoning, and it's loaded with the right nutrients to help you recover after a long day. 18 grams of protein per serving. For 20% off of your purchase, mountainhouse.com slash Meister. The link is also on our website. You'll get a secret code to use at checkout there. You brought up there the ability to adapt, right? And we talked about the experiments and how, like, if you would go blind, you you fully blind, I should say, then you eventually adapt to whatever your um, whatever your situation is. I wonder, you get all of this attention and a lot of these incredible athletes do because we say, oh my God, you're overcoming adversity, blah, blah, blah. Um, But if you're truly able to adapt to whatever your current environment is, it it sounds like you're just living another life. The, The real disadvantage to visually impaired people is how the broader audience actually perceives your situation. And then you brought up those statistics before about the unemployment rate and everything. It just seems like there's more of the external challenges rather than the internal challenge of being blind. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up because the interesting thing with the things that I do and just my personality, I'm a really outgoing, positive person. And a lot of times I project this, uh, persona that all's hunky-dory and obviously like all of us it's it's never all Mm hunky-dory you know the reality of the situation is for that unemployment rate i'm unemployed too i haven't worked for two years and i've applied for many jobs since becoming legally blind i just don't hide that aspect i don't know if Mm -hmm. that's a contributing factor or not um uh, my work career was previously at the very senior executive level and uh, I question a lot of times whether, you know, larger companies would be willing to take a chance on a blind guy uh, when you have, you know, a gazillion other and that executives was before, out there too. Was that before you came out as being blind? Yeah, that was that was before. So since becoming, uh, you know, legally blind and, right. and no longer hiding that fact, um, 
you know, it's, it's right there in my resume and, you know, in my cover letter and what I'm trying to do. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's different. So, you know, the reality is right now I'm, I'm unemployed. I live on disability. Uh, I, I'm a single parent, three kids survive on about 3,600 bucks a month. And, uh, I've adapted to make that work. And, and the contrast there is, you know, I previously as a general manager for General Electric, VP of global operations for Western Union, you know, making significant dollars um, and spending significant dollars. Now that I frankly, I don't drive, uh, there's not a significant amount of income coming in. Uh, you know, frankly, me and my kids have adapted and they went through a very different <laughs> adaptation cycle there too, but we've adapted to where we survive just fine with what we are. And, um, you know, it's also a growing experience because some of the things that we thought were important, like the coolest technology and all this other different stuff, keeping up with the Joneses really isn't. And, uh, it's, it, it doesn't take very much to, uh, survive and, you know, and do okay. As long as you think, do things smart. The benefit there is I do have a very good education. I, I went to law school. I was a lawyer. I have a lot of business backgrounds and I have a lot of options as a result of the work experience that I've gathered and, you know, the savings I've managed my life. Uh, prior to getting to this point. So that's also a difference. You know, I mean, um, uh, it's, it is very, very different. Um, I, I encounter a lot of folks now because I'm very much more integrated into the blind community. And I encounter a lot of folks who frankly have, do not have that leg up of trying to have that experience in life already and basically struggling through some of those things. And that's the thing that's heartbreaking. I, I have a lot of friends who are you know, a lot of younger folks and, um, you know, they're struggling to get their first job. Uh, friends who have master's degrees and, you know, uh, young, enterprising, entrepreneuring people, and they're just trying to get a break. One of my friends tried for six years to get a job after going to you know, a local private school, getting a master's degree. Just brilliant lady. I spent time speaking with her, very motivated, and it took her six years to get a job. And, it, you know, that happened within the last six months, and it just you know, brought tears to my eyes and heart. And, um, but it's perseverance like that in adaptation. That's what inspires me. I, I don't, I don't see that frankly, what I'm doing is all that inspiring. Um, I know that it is to some people. I don't want to downplay <laughs> that, but when I hear stories or I get a chance to meet and feel people who are going through their lives and they overcome things like that, I mean, that's what really charges me up. And that's what I think about when I'm in a low, what needs to happen to make these opportunities more prevalent? I think society as a whole just have to, has to shift their mindset. And that's part of the reason behind Vision Run USA. You know, anybody would sit there and say, you know, for anybody to run across America or to go on foot, that's incredible. It's impossible. And they look at the person. Well, I'm going across and I'm putting up that blind flag. I'm not going across as Jason Romero. I'm going across as a blind man. Similar to what Eric Weinmeyer did when he climbed Mount Everest as a blind person. It's one of those things that basically it shatters people's perceptions and understandings of what is and is not capable, uh, you know, what people are and are not capable of. And I wave that blind flag because, frankly, these blind people are employable. They're some of the most adapt adaptive people around. When I was a GE, I would have loved to have hired you know, a bunch of blind people if I would really understood what was going on. Right now, actually, the comp, you know, the, that piece of GE has been spun off, but they have what's called a Persons with Disabilities Network, and they are working to try to bring people in who have 
different challenges, whether they be uh, psychological and or physical, because they're working to try to get a representative workforce of what society is. And they believe that will create a much richer working environment uh, and provide a, you know, a, a better result all the way around to their work product, to their employees, and also to the service that they eventually deliver. I was in Houston recently, and I spoke with one of their general managers, and they came down and they sat down and they met with probably 20 blind athletes who were running the Houston Marathon, and they were just inspired to try to figure out how we get some more people in the workforce. Yeah. I mean, companies like that and initiatives like that are what we need to see more of in order to really make a difference and move this forward. How fascinating. We'll have links, obviously, for uh, your Facebook page, everything uh, that you're doing on our Meister on you sorry on your Meister profile page on our website mtnmeister.com relentlessromero.com visionrunusa.com for that project specifically have you have you heard of this guy uh well he he's long gone now his name's James Holman now tell me so i i in the process of trying to read this book called dueling neurosurgeons or what is it the story of let me get the the exact, um, the tale of dueling neurosurgeons, the history of the human brain, um, as revealed by true stories of trauma, madness, and recovery. Uh, it's very difficult to read, but this guy, James Holman is one of the first blind explorers from like the early 1800s. And he, he went around the entire world and when he got back, people just didn't believe that he was blind. Um, but you can tell through some of the portraits that were painted, his eyes weren't focused. And basically it talks about his brain and how a blind person's brain might work, where you can't, if you can't see, um, then your brain will find different ways of rerouting information. So I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting. I'm taking a note on the book to read it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tough read. I'm about a uh, 120 pages in, uh, and it's slow moving for me. <laughs> but, but well, I got a lot of time to listen to an audio book oh, in about yeah. a month or so. So, do you listen uh, to to um, audiobooks or podcasts while you run? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, I I stopped reading probably about seven years ago, reading books, <laughs> and then I've just turned to audio. So, podcasts are phenomenal. Yeah, audiobooks. Good. Love well. It. I've, I know a good podcast you should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, let's get a gear recommendation. We get one from everybody that comes onto the show. Uh, do with it whatever you would like, Jason. Sure. Actually, I got two uh, yeah. gear recommendations I have out there. One is specific to my eyesight uh, in particular, and that's uh, I use a Princeton Tech Apex rechargeable headlamp, and the thing shoots out just under 300 lumens of light. And uh, I use that. That was a recent discovery for me because before I, I've always had this night blindness and I've carried around flashlights or like the little keychain lights, but they're never really bright enough. When I figured out, I started doing, it was actually the Leadville uh, 100. I needed a headlamp because I had to go through the night. And once I started using the headlamp, I realized I can use this around the house or I can use this at a restaurant or um, yeah, I'm a single guy too. I can use it as, as uh, on a date. Usually those dates didn't end that well, but <laughs> show up with a headlamp. Uh, but uh, that, that lamp in particular uh, ended up giving me independence and being liberating. Like I said, I, was, you know, I, I became divorced about seven years ago. Previous to that, I had a, a person here who always helped me. All of a sudden, I'm raising three young children, one with special needs, and 
you know, you go on a walk at night, you don't know where your kids are. Mm. The headlamp has just been phenomenal. And uh, right now I use that, you know, with, uh, with my running and, you know, Princeton tech has just been phenomenal with me and they, you know, they become a sponsor too. And I believe in their product. So that's one thing that I would say Princeton apex rechargeable in the rechargeable aspect. It enables me to go on the brightest setting for five, six hours at night, wow. which is phenomenal. That's more than you can get on any type of batteries. The other gear recommendation I have is, yeah, Hoka, 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 and uh, <laughs> you're a Hoka I, guy. I am. I'm. I live and breathe Hoka. So uh, when I first started these ultras, you know, I was into the more of a minimalist type of thing. And as I was doing a lot of different stuff, I was putting a lot of miles on my body. And I kept saying, you know, I'm getting older. I got to do more recovery. I do a lot of reading, and I, you know, I'd get up in the morning, and for 45 minutes, I'd be literally crippled. I was like, God, you know, things had to get working. And uh, I had an ex- experience where I had a, a friend who bought some hokas, very frugal, was having foot issues. And, um, uh, you know, I, I thought hoka was a bunch of hocus pocus. <laughs> and um, I wouldn't even try on the shoes. I was at the Boston Marathon. The rep was trying to get me to try on the shoes. I was like, don't even talk to me. You're just, you know, trying to charge a lot of money. It's a bunch of, you know, BS, you know, whatever. And I ended up eventually running into an injury. I didn't have any other result. This friend had bought a pair, was very frugal, and ended up buying a second pair. And I was like, I know that person would not have put down that much money if it wasn't doing something for her. So I decided, I was you know, in a, between a rock and a hard place, so I decided to try them. And ever since then, it has changed my running nonstop. I mean, injuries, the ability to put on mileage, and um, – you know, it's, it, it is, it's, it's changed, it's changed my life. One final question. And that is who do you want to hear as the next mountain meister? You were a recommendation from Adam Kimball. Let's get somebody else on. Sure. Uh, so there, there is a guy who is extremely inspiring who I had the chance to, uh, be, uh, tethered to like with an umbilical cord for 24 hours in Greece and this person is named Brandon Stepanowicz, also known as The Stank. <laughs> um, he's a trail runner who is unreal. Uh, you know, came in under 20 hours at Leadville, sixth at Hard Rock this past year, has done Nolan's 14, um, did uh, what's called what he created as the Pikes Peak 100, basically go up and down Pikes Peak four times consecutively without stopping the guy is just unreal and i i had the opportunity this past year to be accepted to run at spartathlon in greece which is a 153 mile run from uh athens to sparta and they had a requirement for me is that i had to be attached or tethered to another person for that entire race and for this race there's over a 50 percent dnf rate the u.s only gets to send 25 people on their team and I'd never been ran tethered to another person. So I looked for the best person I could find. And uh, Brandon is the person who came to my rescue. And like I said, I was uh, tied to this guy for uh, over a day. And uh, it, yeah, you will have a very, very great talk with Brandon. He's a wonderful human being and just an amazing athlete. The stank on a future episode of Mountain Meister. Keep an ear out. Keep a nose out. <laughs> you can find out more about uh, Jason RelentlessRomero.com and the project coming up that he's starting March 24th, running across the USA. VisionRunUSA.com. We'll have links to his social media platforms as well 
on his Meister profile page. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a bunch. Onward. Meister fans, hope you liked that one. Jason Romero links again for everything on his Meister profile page. You can follow along. He leaves tomorrow, March 24th, as of this recording. Uh, If you did or you didn't like this, let me know, Ben, at mtnmeister.com or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Mountain House, for 20% off of their delicious home-style meals. Go to mountainhouse.com slash meister. Also, limited room on our Summit for Someone Climb. The deadline for Mount Hood is coming up shortly. There's still one person who can win an Osprey Kestrel 48-liter pack and two items from Big Agnes. One, a sleeping pad. Second, a sleeping bag. And $100 off of your climb. That's over a $600 value. Get it before it's gone. Links and details on our website, mtnmeister.com. As usual, I hope you enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do while you listen to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. I'm your host, Ben Shank, and until next time, you've been listening to Mountain Meister 